You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. The Salt City Hoops Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson, the voices of the Salt City Hoops Show. Andy is the managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com, the True Hoop affiliate yep. for the Utah Jazz. He's also the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. You can find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. I'm occasionally around here at ESPN 700. You and I <laughs> together often fill in for Bill Riley, which we'll be doing again this Thursday. And you had a good article today on KSL.com. I had an article today at KSL.com, whatever that means. I appreciate that you said it was good, though. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I contribute at KSL.com. Give yourself some more credit. Okay. Do you want, my, do you want all my credentials? I'm also a sideline reporter for the Xfinity Sports Report Sunday nights on Comcast, and I'm uh, the host of the Let's Eat, Let's Eat television show. What's the best we, uh, thing you've eaten on Let's Eat? Oh man, there's some, there's a lot of good food around Utah actually. Uh, it's hard to pick one. Okay, there's some good bars around here actually that have good food, good right. gastro pubs. So, uh, anyways, we got a big show for you today. The NBA All Stars were announced. The reserves, I should say, were announced today. We're going to go over that. In fact, Andy and I are going to do something that the NBA is not allowing you to do, which is see how these picks go and in which order. Coming up probably in the second hour here, probably coming up around 8.25 because we're going to be with you until about 9 o'clock. Andy and I are going to make our picks, our draft for the East team and the West team. That's You can be Steph Curry or you can be LeBron James. I'll let you okay. pick who you want to be. Uh, and we'll talk about that. LeBron's and then we will, first pick. So Yeah, and then we will go off and, uh, and do our draft, which I think could be a fun thing to do. And I actually bet we should keep track of this to see when the actual draft comes through. I bet we can get pretty accurate. I bet so too. I mean, it's... To me, there's a pretty clear list of, especially like one through five of what the best players are in the league right now, you know, and, and so what we'll get to what that actual ranking is. And then, uh, of course, the all important question, who gets picked last amongst all stars? Right. Everyone's going to know who that person is. There's, there's no way this doesn't get leaked, you know, like I, I, oh, I really right. believe that, that, you know, we'll find out at least some parts of this. All-star draft that, for whatever reason, the NBA refuses to televise. Uh, we are two weeks away from the NBA trade deadline as of what, tomorrow or Thursday? Uh, Thursday. Two correct. weeks from Thursday away from the NBA trade deadline. The Jazz have been involved in a lot of uh, rumors so far with the trade talk, including since the last time we spoke, the Jazz are actively shopping Rodney Hood, it sounds like, at least according yes. to Tony Jones from the Salt Lake Tribune. We're going to talk to Tony coming up at 8 o'clock. So coming up uh, 55 minutes from right now. Which will be good to get some detail and color on that report. He also, of course, was was at least one of the people who reported the Derek Favors availability and, and, and the Jazz shopping him. Uh, certainly Joe Johnson is one of those players as well. Correct. So uh, a, a lot of different possibilities for the Jazz. And, you know, honestly, it's really everyone on this roster but Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert is, is very eligible to be traded right now. Uh, and the Jazz last night had, was it the worst loss of the season? Yeah, I think so. Suns' very... loss early in the year was really bad because the Suns were terrible, but it was kind of one of those weird, you fire your coach, the right. team's going to come out fired up. That may the... have been worse because the Jazz were A, healthier, sure. and B, were in a spot where they thought they were going to make the playoffs. Okay. I don't think last night, I mean, if the Jazz thought they were going to make the playoffs, last night dashed that completely, I thought. Hmm. If you thought the Jazz still had a chance, last night was proof that they are not going to be a team that can win 23 of their next 35 games or 22 of their next 35 games just to get back to 500, which doesn't even guarantee you a spot in the playoffs in the Western Conference. So I thought last night was a good sign. If you're a Jazz fan trying to figure out which direction they're going to go, 
that now you know which direction they're going to go. The problem is, uh, so a couple things on that. One, I, I still think that this loss, the Atlanta loss, was worse. Uh, you know, the Atlanta Hawks are a a worse team than the the Phoenix Suns, first of all. And, and the Suns, you're right. After they fired Earl Watson, then went on that four game winning streak, right. which you know composes twenty five of their wins, twenty five percent of their wins this season. Right. But anyway, uh, and, and then. It was just, you know, you lost that so badly with some really lackadaisical play, I thought, that, uh, you know, I, I think early in the season you can chalk it up to uh, a lack of familiarity, a, you know, you're kind of getting an idea of what's going on. Donovan Mitchell wasn't even good at that point. True. He was really bad at that point, actually. Still, He had Although, just had the Clippers game the night before, which was his first breakout. And even then, I want to say it had 19 points on 20 shots or something. I mean, it wasn't like he was this Donovan Mitchell that we knew was was seriously in the running for the rookie of the year. That's a good point. Um, although Donovan Mitchell wasn't good yesterday, <laughs> you know. No, honestly, it was it was the same problem where you know six turnovers is just way too many. Uh, kept driving into the paint. And honestly, I thought what Atlanta did on defense was really smart. Was they forced the Jazz, who had no mid range jump shooters, to take mid range jump shots? And I, you know, I, as much. As much kind of stink as as Rodney Hood has gotten thrown his way this season, he would have really helped the Jazz last night. It's almost as if the Atlanta Hawks head coach, Mike Budenholzer, has a sense of what Quinn Snyder wants to do when he's on the basketball floor. Sure. And maybe that's because he helped train Quinn Snyder into becoming a head coach and mentor him to get there. Yeah, his last Quinn's last job before taking the Jazz head coaching job was being Mike Budenholzer's lead assistant. Right. You know, like that's <laughs> right. Yeah. Quinn steals stuff from Bud and Bud knows how to stop the weaknesses in his own system. Yeah. And Quinn tries to run some of, the, some of that same system. Not identical, obviously, because you have different players. You adapt to that. But yeah. And Budenholzer is one of the top, what, seven coaches in the NBA? Eight coaches in the NBA? I mean, he's very yeah, good. Yeah. Top 10. Yeah. Sure, sure. He's a very and good coach. Absolutely. And I think there's a, a question of, you know, how hard the Jazz are playing right now. Um, and, and I, I think, Certain players are trying their best, and certain players aren't. I mean, right. it's it's impossible for me to argue that Joe Johnson is giving his best out there on the floor, or you know, maybe it's he very is. Possible maybe he's to just argue old. he's not. Right. It's very possible to argue he's not trying that hard. He's, he's it taking doesn't a lot look of, like he's trying. He's that taking hard. a lot of nineteen foot fadeaway jumpers that aren't getting close to the rim, and then on the other side of the ball, he's late to getting on back on defense. Mm-hmm. He doesn't rebound at all. And then his effort to actually stay in front of somebody is it is it a, a level zero? Yeah, and so that's that's not ideal. And and so then you know I guess there's a question of why Quinn is still playing him, and then maybe that's when you go into the well maybe maybe we're stealth tanking here a little yeah. bit. I I mean I I don't think anyone would ever admit to that. I don't think really that's even the primary reason that Joe Johnson would be playing right now. It might just be that you're looking for someone who may take him off your hands and give up something of value. Right. But uh, I, I think Dan Clayton, also a Salt City Hoops writer, has a good point where the more Joe Johnson is playing right now, the more teams get a chance to see that, oh, this guy this guy might be washed. Right. Right. You can try and showcase him and tank at the same time, but you also may be showcasing him to the point where it's obvious that there's no reason to trade for him at all. Right. Now, let me say this. I don't believe that what you're seeing from Joe Johnson right now is a result of him not being able to play in the NBA any longer. I think it's an effort, not an ability problem. Agreed. Uh, because he still has enough plays, even individual plays, where he thinks, oh, you were, where you look at him, you say, all right, he can still put the ball on the floor. He can still back you down. He still knows how to be in the right place at the right time if he has to. He understands how an offense works and can still be a very good passer, which he's a high level passer. He can do enough of those things that if I'm a, if I'm a, a, 
a team that's willing to give up a second-round draft pick and another expiring contract to try and bring him on my roster because he's better than my 14th player right now, and there's a chance I may have to play him for seven minutes in a playoff game, I would probably do it. Yeah, and, and so it kind of depends on which of your which rosters out there have a need for that kind of player A and have that expiring pick, the expiring contract that they're willing to give up for nothing. Because honestly, you may be willing, to, you may be able to trade that expiring contract, that worthless player who's not going to be playing anything. And there aren't that many guys around the league to start with that that have a contract the size of Joe Johnson. But B, you may be able to trade him for a team that wants to open up cap space this summer because right. there aren't that many teams that have that. So right. That might be a, a valuable asset in, in its own right. So let, let's let talk about where the Jazz are before sure. we start getting... And, and you know what? If we have questions, give us a call, 877-353-0700. We always love to get your calls. 877-353-0700. Tweet at Andy Larson, at Andy B. Larson on Twitter. Andy B. Larson on Twitter. Or you can tweet at me, at Ben's Hoops. And we always like to open with your questions first. And we actually do have a question. Yeah. At least one. You We've have got a couple. Okay. Um, one, would you trade the Jazz's 2018 first-round pick for half a season of LeBron James? I do I don't, I mean, no, I, even LeBron right now doesn't do anything to get the Jazz past the first round of the playoffs, maybe past the second round. I mean, he might be able to get you to the second round of the playoffs. If you can, if you think that he and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert together win 28 of their next 35, which is possible because LeBron's that good of a player, then you though have to face, and maybe you actually win your first round because maybe you catch San Antonio or something and you can beat San Antonio this year. But even then you probably are out. Then in the second round, because you're either playing you Golden State or you're playing Houston, and you're gone. Right. So no, it's Agreed. not worth it. Unfortunately, like I would love to watch LeBron for yeah thirty games in a Jazz uniform. I mean, that's the thing is it's kind of worth it from like a, just a life experience point of view. From a from maximizing like, yeah. a championship possibility, it's not worth it for you and me. It's worth it because we right. kind of get to put the fan thing down and don't have to worry about that at all. But we also get to put the fan thing on as casually as we want to. And it, there's no long-term investment in it. Like, we don't have to root for what went wrong next year. We just start That's over it. and we're still getting paid and there's still jobs and that type of thing. Maybe, but maybe there are more jobs if they win. Sure. Right. But I mean, uh, but long-term, LeBron doesn't help you win. He helps you win very short-term. Yes. And then long-term, he's gone and you've lost potentially another very good player. Agreed. So, no, unfortunately, no. I wouldn't do it. I want to do it, but I wouldn't do it. Uh, Adam Ryluski asks, how far do you think Dante is away from, uh, is away from a return? Do you think it will be first thing after the All-Star break or still sometime afterwards? Uh, I actually put together um, a little, uh, a tweet. Please. Uh, conversation with this. Let me see if I can find it here. I would suspect because his injury has mirrored that of, uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist mm-hmm. in Charlotte very similarly. Now let me see if I can pull this up. Uh, it, it might take me a second here. I apologize. Uh, looking at, at, at almost an identical injury. So here, here it is. Michael Kidd Gilchrist dislocated his shoulder on October 3rd of 2015. Dante Exum dislocated his shoulder on October 7th of okay. 2017. So it's two years apart, but it's almost the same time of the month. It's four days apart in the actual month. Uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist had surgery on the 5th. So he only waited two days to get surgery once he dislocated his shoulder. Now, Dante Exum actually waited until the 25th. So he waited about two weeks longer to get that surgery than did Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. But Michael Kidd-Gilchrist was cleared for non-contact drills on January 6th, which was 93 days, almost exactly three months after the surgery. 93 days later, he was cleared for non-contact drills. Okay. Dante Exum was cleared for non-contact drills 96 days after, so almost exactly three months. So basically their timeline 
of being cleared for non-contact drills is almost identical hmm. uh, of the exact same injury, if I understand it correctly. Uh, then Michael Kidd-Gilchrist returned from uh, returned to action 23 days after he was cleared for non-contact drills. So about okay. three weeks after he was cleared to go through non-contact drills, he was cleared to come back. Three weeks from when Dante Exum was cleared would be February 9th, which is coming up very quickly. But you're only five days then before the NBA uh, all-star break, right. so you might as well just give him those extra two weeks to heal even further and then expect him to come back after that. And that's especially true given what happened to Michael Kidd-Gilchrist after he returned. He which came back was... three weeks later, he dislocated his shoulder again. Right. So, Which I understand was somewhat fluky, but yeah. obviously he had a weakened shoulder. Right. And, and I think, you know, it, it is a difference, uh, apparently, I, I'm not a doctor, but between a dislocated shoulder and a separated shoulder, right. which is what Dante has. But it is kind of the same Kind of rehabilitation in terms of you know you're you're strengthening your shoulder again, and so I I don't think that yeah that comp is that maybe the closest we have in the NBA. What Dennis has pointed out is actually a bunch of NFL comps, which you know is is obviously a very different right sport with a lot of different pressures on that shoulder right, um, and you get shoulder pads. Yeah, right. So, There's just so many different things with that. Uh, uh you know I, I would say uh, my bet would be. That end of February, early March timeline where, you know, right after the All-Star break or maybe a week after the All-Star break, maybe two weeks, you know, whatever that is, uh, is is probably most likely. But that still means you're going to get to see Dante Exum for about six weeks. 24 games, which is actually not bad. That's more than 25% of the season. Right. Well, that's a decent amount, especially considering he should be getting playing time pretty much as much as he wants at that point. He should be getting a lot of playing time as much Mm -hmm. as the doctors will clear him for. uh, He should be out there and, and able to play. So I think you'll actually get a decent amount of Dante Exum this year, assuming he stays healthy once he gets back from being unhealthy. Correct. Uh, another question while we're at it. Sporcaccioni. I don't know how he okay. wants us to say that, but uh, he suggested a trade for us. But I'm going to answer this part of the question first just because I haven't looked at the trade yet. Do you prefer 29-year-old Love for $22 million, so Kevin Love, next to Rudy, or 26-year-old Miritich at $12.5 million? It's a good question. It's a great question. And it's one that the Jazz are probably asking themselves. Yes. If they're, first of all, depends on what you're giving up to get that person. Right. Um, Kevin Love's more proven. Yes. A lot more proven. He's a lot better. He's a lot it's not, better. It's, even, right. even, even right now, right he's now, a lot better. Right. Kevin Love is, is right. you know, 25% better. Right. And so is averaging 19 and 10. Right. Kevin Love's interesting, especially because if you think you're not ready to give up on Ricky Rubio. If you think there's more to Ricky Rubio than you're able to see because Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert on the floor together doesn't allow Ricky to do anything you want him to do, if mm-hmm. you think that's the problem, it might be worth going out and getting a stretch four just to see if you actually have something in Ricky Rubio before you give up on him, hmm. if that makes sense. And who better to do it at a stretch four position than a guy who's as familiar with Ricky Rubio as anyone in the league in Kevin Love. Point. So there, there's some interest. Although Miritich also has his own familiarity Correct. with Rubio too, with the Spanish national team. Right. So th- there, there are probably interesting names both ways there. I, here's the thing: if you get Miritich, I'm not sure what the Jazz do with that other ten per ten million dollars, whatever right. the difference is, that goes out and significantly changes you. Then again, you spent ten million dollars on Joe Johnson; he came in and helped you win a playoff series. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I think. It's hard to say that it just depends to this, and it. Right. But to me, it totally depends on what value you have to give up. And in my mind, you're getting Miritich for a you know maybe a late first, and you know the Jazz don't have that, but the kind of the equivalent of that. Kevin Love is a better player, and so it would be have to be a a high first or kind of the equivalent of that. 
And so you're you're talking about the Jazz putting together Rodney Hood and Derek Favors and Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson just to get the just salaries to get the salaries to match right. and then you honestly have to add more value because that's to me not enough for Kevin Love unless from a, they, from a value point unless of view. they hate Kevin Love. And sure, I don't but think then there's the some other team that wants right. Kevin Love. Yeah, here's the thing. As soon as the Jazz set the highest bar, that also becomes the lowest bar because then every other team gets to come in and say, well, we'll beat that off. Right. And so I don't, I don't know that there's a realistic package that, package that gets you Kevin Love without having to give up one of your future first-round picks, and, and maybe that's what the Jazz need right now most of all. And I don't right. think they're willing to give up their 2018 pick, 2020 maybe, but... You know, honestly, maybe the Miritich deal is a better fit, even though it is like a a lower hanging fruit. So here's a trade that would work for the Jazz, and we'll actually go into your trade, Sporka Chione, yeah, yeah. or whatever your name was. Uh, and I tweeted out yesterday facetiously because we know Kevin Love got in a fight with his teammates, and because they don't think he's actually sick, like he claimed he was sick and left a game on Saturday night, or maybe it was Friday night against the Oklahoma City Thunder, in which the Cavs gave up 148 points in regulation. And Kevin Love's a big part of that. He's not a good defensive no. player, uh, but. Here was the trade that actually works for the Jazz. Rodney Hood, Derek Favors, Joe Johnson in exchange for Kevin Love and Jetty Osman. Now, here's the thing. Jetty Osman actually has trade value. Right. Because he's a young guy who plays on the wing and actually looks like he might, he might be able to play a little bit. Kevin Love still has a ton of value because he's got a couple of years left on his deal. Mm-hmm. He's a, almost a 20 and 10 guy. When you get him and you get him away from LeBron, his production actually is going to go higher. Yeah. Now, he won a championship t- with the Cavs, so it's not like he's going to become a better player than he was with the Cavs. He helped you win a championship. That's, in my opinion, that's as good as you can get. You help a team win. Right. That's the only thing that matters. From a production point of view, right. and maybe what the Jazz right. need, which is some offensive production, Kevin he, Love is a nice fit. He probably climbs up to 24 points a game, potentially. Sure. You know, and is up to around 10 rebounds still alongside Rudy Gobert and makes a lot of sense. Uh, but you would have to include a pick. Now, I don't think the Jazz are giving up. I mean, maybe they'd give up a 2019 pick that's very heavily lottery protected. Would the Cavs consider, and I don't even know if you can do this in all honesty, swapping the rights for the Nets pick that the Cavs own from the Kyrie Irving trade and the Jazz first round pick? So basically you you say the Cavs get whichever one is better. And then the Cavs say, great, we're guaranteed then to have a top seven pick because either the Jazz are going to be so bad or or the Nets are going to be so bad we get that pick. I actually think that it's maybe most likely that those teams end up where they are, which is nine and ten. You know, Uh, because... In my mind, you know, Brooklyn doesn't have any reason to lose, unlike the rest of the top Correct. eight. And the Jazz might be too talented to lose to get into the top Especially eight. Especially if they get Kevin Love. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that that's kind of what I would think if you had to add trade incentive from the Jazz perspective to the Cavs. And even then, it's probably not going to be enough picks or enough spots different to really sway a trade one way or another. Yeah. No, I, I agreed. And so, uh, to me, it would have to be almost a... 2020 pick and then you're kind of making a bet on that you are going to be a really good team with donovan mitchell rudy gobert and kevin love for the for the future i you know i i think there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons to do that you're right that kevin love is is a defensive problem but that's why you have rudy gobert right and you look at his production in minnesota where he was legitimately putting up 26 and 13 20 and 15 right 24, 26, and 12. He's like, the only active player in the NBA right now who's had a 30-point, 30-rebound game, which right. just doesn't happen. I mean, and Boogie Cousins has never done that. I mean, he's a freak. Kevin Love, at his best, is a freak. He's a really good basketball player. Yes. And, and you know, I, I think there's some worry that maybe he's on the downslope of his career because, you know, he is entering 30 next season. But in terms of what that could do for you, that, that kind of gives you a more immediate contention window than Nikola Mirotic, who only has one year left on his deal, too. By the way, here's the trade uh, from Sporka Chioni. 
Yeah. Uh, the Chicago Bulls would receive Derek Favors, Joe Johnson, Thon Maker from the Milwaukee Bucks, and Rodney Hood. The Milwaukee Bucks would receive Robin Hood and Howell Neto. And the Utah Jazz would get Nikola Miritich, Matthew Delvadova, and Denzel Valentine. Yeah, I mean, my sense is that's that's kind of a reasonable trade. Uh, I, I, think, I think Milwaukee doesn't get enough back for what they give up. You they get rid of Delvadova, which is great. Thon Maker, I suspect, even though he's having a bad year this year, they still like what he showed last year enough to want to keep him around long term. I'm curious about that because it's now a new front office who's sure. drafted him. Um, I, I'm yeah, I, I don't know. I think with Thonmaker having, like you say, a pretty bad season this year, you could say let's let's dump him while he still has value, uh, in order to dump Matthew Delavadova's contract, and then getting Robin Lopez a center that can help them this year will you know. Helps. It's not a bad trade by any stretch. I, I actually, in terms of you know, yesterday I was rating these trades on a one to ten crazy scale. Uh-huh. This is like a, a two or a three crazy. This is a very reasonable trade. Maybe sure. even a one or a two crazy. Yeah. I, I don't know. It kind of depends on what the Bulls think about Thonmaker and if they want to keep Rodney Hood. Right. Uh, and I, I don't know how much they like Rodney Hood. I don't know how much they like Thonmaker. But that's really what it comes down to. I think maybe the Bulls think they could do better too. Okay. Next question. Uh, do I have another question? I think we got a lot of questions that have come in. All right. Uh, does the Jazz organization? This is from Joel Hiller. Does the Jazz organization have conversations with players to get their view? I.e., hey, Derek Favors, would you be ha- happier on another team, or is it generally one-sided decision making? Andrew, you're going to be much more better equipped to answer this question than I will be. Let's put it this way: I I don't know if the conversation goes from Dennis Lindsay saying. Hey, Derek, would you be happier on another team? As yeah. much as it goes, Derek Favors talks to his agent. Right. And then his agent, Wallace Prather, talks to Dennis and says, Derek Favors would be happier, happier on another team. Yeah. And, and some of that's just, you know, also circumstance too, where you can kind of tell with Derek Favors and Rodney Hood, where Derek Favors wasn't playing at the end of games, even in 2015, 16. Yeah. Rodney Hood's benched. You know, these are the, Players who probably aren't going to be happy with their situations. And so uh, I, I think it's they are absolutely kind of getting what the player's view is. I don't know if it's like Dennis going into the locker room and talking to those guys. I think the agent thing is is kind of the more realistic way of how that happens. Maybe Moneyball is not realistic at all. And I mean the actual movie, not just the concept of it. But as Brad Pitt informs us, has taught us, you don't sit down and make friends with these guys. You kind of just trade them. You know, yeah. you, you, if you're going to move a guy, you just move. Now, that's not to say front offices don't have relationships with their players. They absolutely do. But I do th- – go ask your wife, would you be happier with another man than you are with me? And then what is she going to think you're actually asking her? Exactly. So understand that. There's a danger to sitting down. And if you don't have absolute intention of trading a player, don't ask him if he'd be happy somewhere else. Yeah, because you don't, <laughs> you don't really want him dangerous. to think about that question, right? <laughs> right. So don't ask your wife if, if she'd be happier with someone else. Because all of a sudden she's going to be thinking, well, either he's with somebody else or he wants me to he leave He wants him. me gone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah, so that, it doesn't make any <laughs> it's sense just to a dangerous go that question. way. It's, it's, a, it's, it's what? Pandora's box. Just don't even open that. <laughs> don't even flirt with that Agreed. idea. Uh, we've got a bunch more questions, but we are up against it. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get to more of your questions. Mm-hmm. Tweet at Andy, at Andy B. Larson. You can tweet at me, at Ben's Hoops. We'd love to hear from you. This is the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700, Utah's number one sports talk. On ESPN 700. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson, the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com and the managing editor of the namesake of this show, saltcityhoops.com, which is a true hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. 
I'm Ben Anderson. I'm uh, a voice around here at ESPN 700 occasionally. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. You can find Andy on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. You can read me at KSL.com uh, every Tuesday as well. Uh, all right. We got a ton of questions pouring in. Yeah. Because fans are excited about the trade deadline. I'm excited about the trade deadline. Right. I love trades. I love hypotheticals. I love the idea of playing GM and trying to make your team better. That's what, yeah. that's what it's all about. That's what sports are all about. Let's, so I'm let's pro, get to I'm pro questions. Andy, fire it up. Uh, Jake at Jake45th asks, thinking back to the DeMarcus Cousins trade, remember last year during the All-Star break, do Rodney Hood and Derek Favors supply more trade value than is led on? To me, the DeMarcus Cousins trade is completely worthless for kind of figuring out what superstars are worth yep. because He's 20, so unique. six NBA teams probably didn't want him on their roster. He is the most unique player in the NBA right now. And so because of that, there just wasn't a market for him. Uh, and as a result, you know, that's that's why it was Buddy Heald plus in order to get DeMarcus Cousins is because just the market wasn't there. And honestly, Vlade screwed it up too. And the Kings knew they had to get rid of that dude. Right. So, uh, guys, he had 40 points, what, 20 rebounds and 10 mm-hmm. assists last night, and they beat the Chicago Bulls in double overtime, and he's got Anthony Davis on his team. And they had to rely, you know, that was a last-minute comeback where they were down 17 with five minutes left. I mean, they like, were down 17 to the Chicago Bulls. insane how good he is right. and does not help you win games. Right. So you have to realize it's followed him everywhere he's gone. So it's a him thing. Yes. You know, and the Kings are terrible. New Orleans is actually a terrible organization, too. Both of those organizations are bad. They're also the only ones who are willing to take on Boogie Cousins. Right. Derek Favors got drafted in front of Boogie Cousins. Did anyone think in college that Boogie Cousins was better than Derek Favors? Everyone knew he was. He's right. a more talented player. But everyone said, oh, he's a head case. I'm yeah. not going to touch him. And that's why no one touched him except the Sacramento Kings. Right. I mean, that's, yeah, you you put it but, out there. That's, I mean, that's, that's it. what it is. So, to me, the DeMarcus Cousins trade doesn't matter to, you know, what's yeah. going on here. Uh Corey Dean asks, I remember Andre Kirilenko's injuries where eventually he seemed to stop going after shot blocks and his defense seemed to fall dramatically. Do you have any worry that this could eventually happen with Rudy and his several injuries? Maybe. Yeah, honestly, there is that worry. I would say, based on what we've seen from Rudy so far, um, where he has had multiple games with three blocks, I'm not worried about it now, I guess, at this point. Right. Um, I am a little bit worried about his offensive balance right now just because that's it's not working for him. Uh, you know, it does seem like he's back to where he was two years ago when he has contact in the lane. He's not really able to finish as well. But I think maybe that is something that will, uh, kind of come with more familiarity, more playing time, uh, after the injury. Gobert's first injury this year, not going back to two years ago when he had the sprained MCL also. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year he got rolled up on by Dion Waiters. Well, mm-hmm. he jumped into his leg. Uh, Dion Waiters did. Yeah. That's actually what happened to Andre Karolinko too. Uh, yeah. If you remember, they were playing the San Antonio Spurs. Who was the backup point guard they had forever? The uh, European Spurs guy. Or, uh, yeah, uh, I, I'll have to look it up. Uh, he fell backwards into Andre Karolinko's knee. It was 4 5 It was right after Karolinko had that great 3 4 season and just signed that huge contract in the offseason and got his knee rolled up onto. Mm-hmm. And that kind of started Karolinko's downfall with the Jazz. I mean, he had he not had that, I think he would have been amazing. Maybe a potential Hall of Famer. I mean, he was that good of a player. He just never came back from that knee injury the same because they added Boozer, they added O'Kerr, they went out and drafted Darren Williams, and all of a sudden it was a different roster. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree that it's fair to worry about Gobert's injuries kind of hurting his effectiveness. Uh, I, I do think Gobert's young enough that maybe you feel better about it. Although Andre Karolinko was pretty young when those injuries happened too. So. Correct. Absolutely, that's it's fair to worry about it. Um, I think given the production in the first few games back, uh, it seems like 
mostly the old Rudy Gobert is is kind of uh, what we've seen so far. Ben Oudra is who fell into uh, Andre uh, Karolinko in okay. 2004, 2005. Ben O! That guy. Yes. Killed the Jazz. Uh, <laughs> also, they're different players. Significantly different players. Okay. And while while Rudy has to be a help side defender also, it's not to the level of Andre Karolinko who was diving from the wing to block some of these shots. Rudy's just crossing the paint most and, of the time. Right. That's a good point. And let's give Andre credit. He figured out how to be a good perimeter defender, you know, anyway, despite maybe he wasn't as big of a help defender now, but then he, he figured out how to defend one-on-one. Also, Andre had back problems. A lot yeah. of his things were back spasms, right. which are weird. You know? He also had a unique body. Right. Anyways. Honestly, Derek Favors may be a more similar comp there where yeah. I think the injuries have robbed him of a little bit of athleticism because it was, again, both knee and back injuries. Good point. Uh, Clay sincerely asks, what type of teams would be interested in Rodney Hood? Does he help a contending team like Toronto, Cleveland, or San Antonio? I think a lot of teams would be interested yes. in Rodney Hood, and should be. Yeah, I, I think actually all of those teams could be interested. I think maybe Cleveland would be um, the one that obviously stands out with kind of, ob- they've got a J.R. Smith-sized hole in their starting lineup. Yep. Uh, Name J.R. Smith. <laughs> what? I wasn't trying to say that. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously San Antonio's looking for talent. They've kind of got Rudy Gay there, but Kawhi Leonard is another situation. And anyway, here's why I love so much going on there. Rodney Hood as a trade piece for the Jazz, because what NBA team out there can't convince themselves that Rodney can be whatever you think you want him to be? You one thing you know he's not. He's not Gordon Hayward, which is what the Jazz I think secretly hoped he was going to be. You can kind of convince yourself that he's Gordon Hayward because you look at their fourth years and they were both inefficient, right? But I that's mean, the best very part. Different. Right. You can go out and convince yourself that, hey, we just want a guy who can be the fourth best scorer on our team, and we think he can absolutely do that. Or the third best scorer on our team, because he's actually showing you right now he can kind of be that guy who can score 17 points a yeah. game. And he shoots 40% from the floor. And he's young, and you control his right. I mean, there's enough there that I think you can say, hey, I think we can adapt this guy into whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, I don't think that's the case with Rodney Hood. I don't think he's this guy who's going to go out and be incredible wherever he goes. But I also don't think he's going to be incredible just because he stays with the Jazz. So okay. I think there's some good value for the Jazz to trade him now while there's still a little bit of mystery around him, understanding that you don't want that same mystery and being locked into paying him $17 million when we finally kind of pull back that curtain and say, well, this is all that Rodney Hood is. Right, and I think there is something to say that the Jazz know more about Rodney than most other teams do. On the other hand, maybe those other teams see the fact that they're shopping him again, actively shop or actively what seeking for a deal was the phrase Tony Jones used. Uh, you know, as a sign that maybe the team that knows him best doesn't want him. That's that's not usually a good sign for that player's trade value. But uh, yeah, I, I I think really the biggest thing in Ronnie Hood's favor is uh, sure what you say is is true, and you know Ronnie Hood does have a number of tools at his disposal. But I also think that there's just the sense that there's so there's such a need for wing players in the league right now as uh we kind of went from two wings in the lineup to three wings in everybody's lineup and that you know just means that there's this lack of good players and so you you see a lot of fringy guys getting minutes and and getting big deals i mean look at i mean i know this was this was 2 years ago now but solomon hill right 4 years 52 million dollars and right. and that's what what has he contributed what can he do that you know Rodney Hood can't do. Where does he play? Right. I mean, honestly, <laughs> how many people can tell you where Solomon Hill plays right now? Right. I mean, it's, it's right. The it's Pelicans, and it, it, right. that goes back to the bad organization right. we talked about earlier. Right. So that's that. That's kind of the concern you have to you have to keep an eye on with Rodney Hood, which is why I think it's worth trading him if you think you can get another th- a draft asset back. And my yeah. idea was that you're probably trying to package Rodney Hood with one of your bad contracts, which right now would be Alec Burks or Ricky Rubio. 
with the idea that you're getting an expiring contract. So you get out of their salary and you get a draft prospect back. So you're not $12 million pot committed to Alec Burks this offseason, or I should say $11 million. It would be $12 million if it's Ricky Rubio. And then you don't have to be forced to pay Rodney Hood $16 million this offseason. So you combine that, that's $28 million in money you're expecting to pay this offseason because you have to pay Ricky or Alec Burks. And you're keeping Rodney Hood, not because you're going to let him walk in free agency. That's another $16 million you're going to pay, and you don't have a draft asset. Yeah. But if you ship him out, you get that $28 million, and you get a draft pick. Got a question from, uh, who is this from? From Richie Rue asking, had the Jazz kept the number 12 pick in the 2016 draft, the one they traded for George Hill, any idea which prospects they may have been interested in taking? Honestly, the reason why they traded that pick, and obviously to get George Hill is the obvious one, but the Jazz met the night before the draft and looked at who was going to be taken from 12 to 20 and didn't find anyone they like. Let me tell you who was drafted from 12 to 20 in that yeah. draft. And I, here, let me give you the answer who I think it would have been. Okay. Because it was a position of need, and it was a guy who was kind of interesting, and it would have been Wade Baldwin out of out of Vanderbilt. My suspicion is if the Jazz kept that pick because they needed a point guard, they would have gone and gotten Wade Baldwin. What do we know of Wade Baldwin? Wade Baldwin is no longer in the NBA. <laughs> he was drafted a year and a half ago. <laughs> He's not in the league anymore. That's, yeah, so I, I I don't think it's Wade Baldwin. I, I don't know how much. I don't honestly think they liked him that much. Oh, really? Interesting. Um, but anyway. Uh, you, you look at the 12 to 20, and it's Torian Prince, who honestly is the best of the guys I'll, I'll, I'm about to name. Giorgios Papagiannis, Denzel Valentine, Juan Hernan Gomez, Gershon Yabusele, Wade Baldwin, Henry Allenson, Malik Beasley, and Karis LeVert. Maybe Karis LeVert is that last And guy, actually, but. Karis LeVert is the guy who might have been interesting, but the problem was you wouldn't have taken him at 12 where you were drafting. Right. You would have been way over drafting for a guy that was injured, but we do know that the Jazz s- sneaked him in for kind of a, a secret, uh, not-so-secret secret interview. Yeah. Like, they had him out there, but they didn't put it even on their workout sheet that he was going to be. But when he was there, they were like, yeah, that's Karis LeVert from Michigan. Because <laughs> we all said, hey, is that, is is that, that Karis LeVert? LeVert? Yeah. And they were like, yes. <laughs> so it wasn't it's so a funny, secret. by the way, that they do that. Like, right. the whole, like, there are secrets and then it's, it's Karis LeVert. We've seen this guy on TV. Right. He's right. a famous person. Right. Uh, anyway, the whole obfuscation of this is, yeah. is so silly. Uh, but that's that's kind of what my suspicion would have been. Uh, agreed, and and so I I think if they don't I I don't think they take that well, pick at number twelve. I think they trade down if they keep it. Or maybe they would have taken Torian Prince, even though he was a little bit repetitive with the roster. And look at what the player he's turned into. He's very good. He's very good. I really, yeah. he, that was the best pick by Atlanta of those next few guys. Obviously, that was the right choice. Yeah, it's a nice nice work by Atlanta actually. Uh, I think we have to. Yeah, I we don't have time for one more, right? We've got to take a break. Take one more. All right, let's we have something one. quick. We've got something quick. Uh, it, would it be worth two seconds to dump Alec Burks or Ricky Rubio's contract? I say yes, and I'm usually correct. This is Travis. Uh, no, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe Ricky Rubio. I, I mean, oh really? See, I'd say maybe Alec Burks. Okay. I, so see, we're torn on it. So the answer is probably no. Yeah, I, right? I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think so. Second round picks, while they're somewhat worthless, you know, the Jazz moved up from what twenty or from thirty to twenty eight to pick Tony Bradley because they thought the Spurs were going to take him at twenty nine or right. whoever had the twenty ninth pick. They're not worthless. I mean, you moved up two spots to get a guy you think is an NBA player. Yeah, All right, and exactly. So you're you're talking about four seconds total to dump him, I guess, uh, is what Travis has in mind. It depends which seconds and the you know I, it, which ones you're trading. I don't know that I would trade this year's second because again, that's the fortieth pick, and maybe that's something you can do something. Golden with. State Warriors bought Jordan Bell for three point five million dollars. 
It's a lot of money. You know, you sell two of those, that's $7 million. Okay, that's $5 million to offset Ricky Rubio's contract or $4 million for, for Alec Burke's contract. Is it worth that much to not to rather not just know what you or to, to have the ability to take a risk on a second rounder? I don't know. I would be very disappointed if the Jazz ever sold a pick that was in the top 45 of the draft. I mean, honestly, it's just the Jazz make money. They, you know, they right. shouldn't be, they're not in a right. position where they should be selling picks ever. I'm with you. I, I totally agree with you. Later in the draft, if you want to punt and get a future draft pick back, sure, that's fine. But I'm with you. Selling draft picks is not good for the fans. No, or the franchise. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get more of your questions. We're going to talk more basketball, actually, in the 8 o'clock hour. We're going to have Tony Jones join us, talk about the Rodney Hood rumors. Does he want out? Is he trying to get out? Do the Jazz just want to trade him so they don't have to pay him? We'll talk about that coming up at 8 o'clock, and we're going to talk about the All-Stars that were named today as well. But coming up next... More answering your questions, tweet at us, at Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. This is the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700, Utah's number one sports talk. ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops Show, ESPN 700, Andy Larson and Ben Anderson. Andy's the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. I'm the co-host of the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. <laughs> wow. Alongside Andy, I'm also a contributor at KSL.com. Coming up in 10 minutes, we're going to talk to Tony Jones, the beat writer for the Jazz for the Salt Lake Tribune. Yes, uh, to get some news that he broke that the uh, that the Utah Jazz are actively looking to trade Rodney Hood. It's also been uh, talked about by Mark Stein uh, from the New York Times. Now I believe is where he writes. Uh, yes. We'll talk about those rumors. What side does it come from? Is Rodney asking for a trade, or did the Jazz want to trade Rodney? And here's the thing: I think it might be both. Uh, we'll ask Tony about that coming up here in about ten minutes. Uh, Okay, let's let's answer some more questions. Yeah, uh, Ryan Johnson asks: Are the defensive issues more because of scheme? Lack of effort, relying on Rudy, or lack of athletes with the necessary lateral quickness to stay in front of their man? Cop out? All, All of the above? above? Yeah. yeah, honestly, it depends on the player. I, I don't know that the scheme is, is broken because, you know, it's, right. a, it's the same scheme as it was right. last year when they were third in the league, right? Like, so I don't, I don't think that's it. I, I think there were some, maybe some scheme issues when you were going to Derek Favors as your center. Uh, and honestly, just Derek Favors doesn't have the same characteristics that Rudy Gobert does, and so the Jazz had to change what they do defensively to match that. And again, Gordon Hayward was a good defensive player. Yeah. Now, some people wanted to sell you that he was the best wing defensive player in the league, which is no. false, but some people locally were saying that. And he's above average. He's above average. Uh, I'm not sure the Jazz have an above average guy right now that plays 35 minutes a night the way right. Gordon Hayward was. Yeah, absolutely. Pabo was very good. He doesn't play 30 minutes a night. Heck, the Jazz don't have any players that play 30 minutes a night, right? Right, like, right. That's, that's part of the problem. But yeah, you, you look at Ricky Rubio, and you know I think there's kind of up and down effort there, and I also I think the, the lateral quickness is, is a question for him. Donovan Mitchell's just a rookie and is, is a hyper puppy on defense yep. right now. Uh, He's got to get better. Yeah. He will get better is the good news. He's not beyond hope the way some guards you can see coming to the league. No. You're just thinking that guy is never going to play defense ever in his life. He will become a much better defensive player. He's not very good right now, yes. especially off the ball. He's very bad. Yeah. Um, and, and also effort. Yeah, you're nine games below 500. Are you kidding me? Right. And so I, I think lack of effort from Derek Favors, Rodney Hood, some of these guys who have been named in these trade discussions is is real. Um, Joe, Johnson. Joe Johnson absolutely is like all of the above in terms yeah. of he doesn't have the lateral quickness anymore right. and he's not trying. Alec so. Burks. Alec Burks yeah, has always been Alec Burks. Right. I, you know, that's its own weird category of defensive issues. Right, right. Like, and some of it, I mean, effort doesn't necessarily mean you're like, oh, I'm just not going to. Joe Johnson was getting burned yesterday by guys who, if the Jazz are playing in a first-round playoff series against the Clippers, he's not getting burned by. Right. But he's getting burned in Game 60 by Torian Prince. Again, Torian Prince is good. He's a good athlete. 
But he found a way to shut down J.J. Redick, who's a better player than Torian Prince right now, who's one of the best off-the-ball players in the NBA. And Joe Johnson found a way to make sure he was glued to his hip for You're seven You're saying Joe games. Ingles. Joe Ingles, I should say, not Sorry. Joe Johnson. Yes, Joe Ingles. I apologize. And that was just not happening last night. So, yeah, effort is a huge part of it, especially when you're nine games below 500. Yeah. And and so, yeah, I, th- I think it's all of the above. And I th- I'm curious to see post-trade deadline when everything's kind of settled out and this is the roster for the next two and a half months, what the defensive effort starts to look like, whether, you know, you can start to drop the scheme for the players that you have and, and everything like that. Yep. Good question, Ryan. Yeah. Um, do I have another question? Let's see. I don't know that I do. I think we may have answered them all. Uh, Joe P. on Twitter. Should we talk about that? Many throwing out wild oh, trades that seem to be for players not in the Jazz revised timeline. I think he says, I don't think there will be a huge trade. Jabari Parker, question mark. That said, something rumors, NM rumors that say never mind, or no mention of rumors are cold. I honestly can't read this. Text. I apologize. <laughs> you tried to abbreviate it into 240 characters, which is already too many characters as it is. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what he's saying there, and so that's that's honestly why I skipped it. Um, I think he's saying who's a free agent that fits the Jazz, which is his last question yeah. uh, that went out there. Actually, there's a lot of names that the Jazz could potentially go after. Yeah, and I, I think there are a lot of B names out there. Like, again, Jabari Parker's obviously there. Uh, Avery Bradley's obviously there. Uh, even someone like a Contavious Caldwell-Pope you could get it for the MLE. Um, you know, I, that's the thing is you don't actually – the reason why the Jazz would be trading Rodney Hood to save cap space would not be this summer. It'd be the summer of 2019, the summer of 2020, and the summer of 2021. Right. I don't think this free agent market is, is crazy in terms of how much it's going to impact your team. And certainly we've learned from the Jazz that they're, they're not a Avery Bradley away from competing, right? Like that's, that's Correct. not what they're missing. It would certainly help, but that's, that's not really. Right. But are you Avery Bradley locked up for four years plus whoever you draft here where you think, hey, at the end of that stretch, we're going to be a pretty good team? Sure. But maybe you want to figure out who your quote unquote Avery Bradley is once you know what position you need him at, right? Sure. Like, yeah. So yeah, I, I, to me, I think it depends on a lot of things. Like, you know, if you're able to get Nico Miritich, now you right. don't need your stretch four. Right. If not, you need a stretch four very, very badly. Free agents this offseason that could be potentially interesting for the Jazz, though, depending on where they think they are in their rebuild, Nikola Miritich, if He's not picked up by the Bulls, and they may hate him enough to not bring him back. Yeah, honestly, I think they're trading him no matter what. Uh, Jabari Parker, who we talked about you have to pay a lot of money to. Avery Bradley, who you just mentioned. J.J. Redick, though I think he probably wants to go play for a team that has a chance to win, but the Jazz could pay him. Trevor Booker, former Jazz man who's yeah. been linked to the Jazz for a long time. I think there's a real chance he comes back. Seth Curry is an interesting name. Sure. Uh, again, he's a backup guard, but he really shoots the ball and kind of does some things well. And then uh, Omri Caspi, who... Probably doesn't re-sign with the Warriors last year. I I'm, think he signed there at a high discount this year just to try and uh, win a championship and then wants to go get paid again. Quick question I realized I skipped from Jake asking, what would Utah have to give up for Kevin Love? Um, that's kind of, you know, we were talking about Kevin Love in the first segment, right? And what the Jazz would have to do to get him is is really interesting to me. I, I, I think it starts with Derek Favors and Rodney Hood, you know, making the right. team better now this year. And then I think you have to make their team better next year and in the year's future by taking on some of their bad salaries, right. whether that be J.R. Smith, Iman Shumpert, or maybe even Tristan Thompson. But you also have to give up Joe Johnson to make those salaries match. Sure. So you have to give up a lot of salary yeah. to make it all work. All right. Tony Jones is going to join us next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. Stick around. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson, the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com and the managing editor of Salt City Hoops, the True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. I'm Ben Anderson. I'm also a contributor at KSL.com. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. You can find Andy on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. You can find our next guest on Twitter at Trib Jazz, as he's the beat writer for the Utah Jazz for the Salt Lake Tribune. It's Tony Jones. Tony, what's going on? What is what? What just happened? Oh, JP was playing music still in the background, and so you could hear some tunes or something. Was that like supposed to be my theme music? <laughs> no, we'll let you pick a entrance theme music, music next time. Yeah. yeah, that new whatever. Dave East album or whatever you were tweeting about yesterday all day, Tony. Whatever that was, it was Dave East. Like, okay. Dave, listen, listen. I'm from New York. You guys got to know this. So you know, we rock with all our New York rappers, and Dave Dave East is the it, it, it's well worth a listen. You guys should give it a listen. All right. <laughs> hey Tony, you reported uh you've been first of all you've been doing a great job so we appreciate you joining us. You reported that uh, the Jazz were willing to trade Rodney Hood or at least had, had kind of explored the opportunity to do it. Mark Stein reported the same thing. Let me ask you this because I I don't think it's a secret that Derek Favors has asked for a trade from the Utah Jazz. I think that's been really well known by the public for a couple of years. Uh is Rodney Hood asking out of the Utah Jazz, are the Jazz wanting to trade Rodney Hood? You think it's a little from column A and a little from column B? Kind of fill me in here. I, I'm not gonna. I don't think that Rodney's asked out of 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 the Jazz, and, and I wouldn't characterize it that way. I, I just think that his situation has changed since the beginning of the year. I mean, we look at the beginning of the year, and what are we looking at Rodney Hood? We're looking at him as the number one option or a potential number one option. We're looking at him as a guy who's going to get the ball at the end of games. We're looking at him as a guy who, you know, at least for a one-year trial run, we're going to see if he can replace what Gordon Hayward vacated when he went to the Boston Celtics. And that quickly changed. Um, obviously, you know, Donovan Mitchell has, has emerged, and Rodney's gone from, you know, potential number one option to, at best with the Utah Jazz, he's going to be a six-man heading into the future. Maybe he, you know, gets to start at the three, but probably not because he's he's much more of a natural to, to the shooting guard than he is a small forward. So, you know, I think when you look at all of the factors that came into play that mitigating or otherwise, you know, I think that we've come to this logical conclusion because I think that Rodney Hood's a starter. And in a lot of other places in the league. But, you know, obviously because of Donovan Mitchell, um, he's probably not going to be a starter here going forward. And so you, you can't, you know, blame the Jazz for wanting to explore that market, and you can't blame Rodney Hood for saying, hey, I, I could be a starter somewhere else, or I could, you know, if I did start somewhere else, uh, you know, towards the end of the season, I could, you know, up my market value. So I, I just think that it's just, kind of the perfect storm of the situation. I don't think it's malicious on either part, and I don't, I don't think that, you know, it's some rift on either either end or at, as well. I guess does that mean, Tony, that the Jazz think of Donovan Mitchell as, as strictly a two-guard? Or, you know, can we've seen him kind of show some point guard-esque vision at times, you know, especially in recent months. Do they think he could play some point as well? Well, I know, I know they think he could play at the point. But if you play him at at point guard, then obviously you need him. At, you need another shooting guard. Um, Why can't that be Rodney Hood though? 
and it could be Rodney Hood. Okay. But right now it's not. <laughs> that's Fair. where, you know, and, that, and, that, and, and at least for now, that's where things have been, and that's where things were. And it's a it's a great question, uh, Andy. And and you know, I think that that is the question. I, I think that the Jazz really want to see an interchangeable backcourt of of Donovan Mitchell and, and Dante Exum. You know, I think that they envision. You know, both guys are interchangeable offensively. They're both interchangeable defensively. It doesn't matter, you know, who they guard or match up with defensively. You know, the thing about that is, you know, they just, you know, what the the elephant in the room is there, you know, Dante Exum has to figure out a way to get healthy and stay healthy. And that hasn't been the case for two of his four years in the league. Uh, let me ask you about Rodney Hood's market, too. You You said that there were teams interested in him. Or at least there was some. This market was strong, is is what you said. Uh, can you tell us more about kind of what that what that means? Well, I think you know if you look at the market, I think that every team needs a guy who can shoot the ball, and every every team needs a guy who can you know get his shot off. And you know, I think people could say what they want about Ronnie Hood. Um, I think that he has both of those attributes, and he has stuff in his tool bag. Now, obviously, there are question marks about him. His durability is a question mark. You know, his toughness, real or perceived, is has been a question mark uh, this year. And I think his ability to get to the foul line is a question mark. But we know, you know, what if you pair Rodney Hood with, let's say Cleveland wants to give the Jazz their first-round pick for Rodney Hood. You can pair Rodney Hood with LeBron James, and all of a sudden he's a second or third option, and that's ideal for him. Um, or, you know, what if he goes somewhere like Houston or somewhere like, you know, somewhere where there's a, a, already a star guy in, in in place that can go and get, be dynamic, making plays for himself and others, and Rodney Hood can play off of that. Um, I, I think that, you know, when you look at it that way, I think that's where you see where his market is strong. I think Milwaukee would be a good spot for him as well because I think they need another wing you know, that can shoot the ball. He's certainly better than Tony Snell. Um, you know, so I think that there are places around the league where, you know, you can find a fit for him. Uh, and I think that his value is high enough uh, that teams teams will, will, will give the Jazz back something of value for him. Tony Jones is our guest, ESPN 700. So, Tony, let me ask you, and this has nothing to do with Rodney or Derek or whatever. What do you think the Jazz are looking to get in return for any piece they're trading? Do they want young players? Do they want proven players? Do they want draft assets? What What do they want? Well, you know, I think that the idea that this is uh, out-and-out rebuild, I don't think that the Jazz uh, are looking at it that way. I think they're looking at this this season as more of a blip, and they want to rebuild on the fly. Um, I think that if they can – I think that they certainly want – they certainly want to stretch – power for it. They really, really need somebody who can space the floor. And obviously that's where, you know, the rumors of Nikola Meritage comes in. Um, you know, but you know, I, I think right now, you know, you if you look at the Jazz realistically, they probably realistically need a starting point guard, they realistically need a starting small forward, and they realistically need a starting power forward. So that's three fifths of your starting lineup that they have to fill. Um, you know, they probably, you know, could trade for Meritage or try to trade for Meritage. That takes care of that. That takes care of the power forward spot. Um, they need somebody that, that's going to make Joe Ingles, you know, the great bench player that he is instead of, 
you know, instead of the starter that he's been this year. Uh, I think they they really hope that Dante Exum can fill one of those guard slots, but you can't be sure because he hasn't proven it yet. So, you know, I think that there's still a ton of, of question marks, um, but at the same time, I mean, I think that the Jazz, you know, think that they have two real building blocks around Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And when you have both of those guys who the Jazz both view both as all-star type talent, um, I think, you know, that's the hard part. That's that's half the battle. So, you know, I think that they're going to go into these last few weeks with an open mind. If they can get young players, they can get young players. If they can get draft picks, they're going to get draft picks. But, you know, they, they, real, they also realize they're on the clock with Rudy Gobert in terms of being a competitive team. So this, this, they're not viewing this as, hey, we're going to take our time and, and try to have a, a total reset. They're trying to be competitive as soon as possible. Is you mentioned the Nico Miritich possibility? And, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since that was reported. Uh, do you know if or how those conversations have have progressed in that time? They haven't. Um, you know, there's it's been kind of dormant. But you know, Andy, we know how these things go. They can get dormant, then all of a sudden, you know, as the dead, as deadline week heats up, then all of the trade talks, all of the talks heat up, heat up, and you know, then there's movement. Um, but I think right now a lot of this is, you know, a game of chicken uh, from all sides, a game of cat and mouse on all sides, even though we don't, we're not sure who the, who's the cat and who's the mouse. Um, you know, but, but I think that, you know, once the, the deadline really nears and we get down to the final days, that's when we're going to start to see some movement. You think the Jazz are very likely to make a trade, somewhat likely or unlikely? I think they're very likely to make a trade. I, I don't ex- with at least Derek Favors. I, I think, and I think if you looked at the Jazz, you look at their performance in Indiana against Indiana last Monday. You look at their performance against the Atlanta Hawks uh, last night. Um, I think that you can kind of tell that you know this is a team that uh, I think uh, can use some changes. Tony, we always appreciate your stuff. Great work, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me, as always, and I uh, I appreciate uh, your your kind words and you <laughs> rolling out the red carpet for the Utah Sports Writer of the Year. Oh, that's right, you know? the Utah Sports Writer of the Year. I congratulated you, but I didn't uh, introduce you that way. I'll remember no, to I, do that. No, I was just taking the LeBron route tonight. I was just okay. doing it myself. All right. Tony, uh, good stuff. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Find him on Twitter at Trib Jazz. Read him in the Salt Lake Tribune. That is Tony Jones. Next time we'll have to get his uh, entrance music in right, too. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, he's a diva, that Tony Jones. He is a diva. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm going to interpret something. All right, here, I'm going to infer something from Tony Jones, which I uh, told someone earlier today not to do. I think it sounds like Rodney Hood to me, and I had this impression before we talked to Tony. I suspect, and I think Tony's right, Rodney Hood's role changed enough with this team that he realized, if I want to be what I want to be, I don't think I can do it with the Jazz. Here's Why not? Like, Where is Rodney Hood going to get a better situation than with the uh, Jazz. Tony, but or I should say, Andy, you, you're thinking logically. And a lot of these guys can't see the forest for the trees or whatever the saying is. It's hard to step back and look at yourself. I talked to an NBA coach one time, and he said, there's about, he said, 60 players, 80 players in the NBA that, that really belong. And really, it's probably, let's say there's 150 because there's five starters on every team. Sure. And the rest of the guys think they're starters who just aren't starting. And the truth is, the majority of them aren't. 
You know, there's not a lot of starters in the league who haven't found a place to start because someone's willing to pay him enough to come in and be a starter. But you never tell that guy. You don't tell Shabazz Napier that he's not a starting point guard in the NBA. He always thinks he's a starting point guard in the NBA, even though it's clearly he's not. He's never going to be. But he thinks he is. Why ruin that for that guy? Well, uh, and I think it depends because I think there are some guys who understand that, that role. Like, you know, for example, Joe Ingles talked to Quinn and was like, hey, I'm okay if you don't want to start me. Right. Joe Ingles is, is a different type of sure, person that's and fair. has a very different background and, and comes it's from It's not a, a typical very, NBA player. Not a typical NBA player. That's fair. And I think there are more of those guys than that, I guess, mindset gives credit for. You know, like a, a Tabo Cephalosha. Who, Absolutely. No, I bet the bottom 150 players in the league or last 200 players in the league of the 450 that are, that are out there right now probably have a very good sense that, hey, I'm lucky to be here, I'm happy to be here, and however I make a team, that's what I want to keep doing. I guess follow-up question, so you think Rodney Hood is not a starter? Oh, no, I'm, I, I'm not saying that. Okay. I'm just saying he thinks he can be a 20-point-per-game scorer, potentially. I think he thinks he has more to offer than what he's being able to show right now with the Utah Jazz, and he's probably not wrong in saying that. And B, he probably also can read the writing on the wall and say, Donovan Mitchell's getting those looks that I want to be yeah, getting. That's, and he's getting the praise I want to be getting. Yeah, and I think that that is true. I, I don't think you can look at, like, you know, what team around the league does Rodney Hood get more shots on than the Utah Jazz? Right. Right? Like, in terms of, if this team doesn't have Rodney Hood, what you're saying is that this team needs someone like Rodney Hood which is that you need someone who can be a secondary ball handler when Donovan Mitchell's not in the game and score some points. And while fans think that that's Alec Burks, it's talking about not being an NBA player. Right. You know, Alec Or not Burks understanding a, what your role is. Right. And, and so Rodney Hood, on the other hand, is a legitimate scorer who, you know, has a shot at six-man of the year if he continues to play the way that he is. Um, now, you know, maybe the Jazz need to be more successful in order for that to happen and, and, and everything else, but... Rodney Hood is, in my mind, a valuable player that, yeah, next to Donovan Mitchell maybe doesn't fit and for what the Jazz need, you know, one season, two seasons from now. Um, but I, I think he's still, he still offers you something that is, it's hard to find. And I think there's enough people out there who think six man of the year award is the worst award you can win hmm. because it means you're not a starter. Interesting. Maybe. It's like winning the yeah. NIT. It's like it's cool. <laughs> yeah. You're the 65th, or I guess now 69th best team in the in college basketball because I think they have whatever 68 qualifiers yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. I think that's how a lot of people view that award. Interesting. Uh, Maybe. So I, I think that that might be the case with. And, and you know what? Let me say this. I'm pro Rodney Hood. I, I'm not. I don't think Rodney Hood's wrong. It might just not be a good marriage for the future of the Jazz. I don't know if I'm the Jazz if I want to have $30 million committed to Joe Ingles and Rodney Hood. Right. That's that's really the problem from a Jazz point of view is just it's too much money down the road. What you want is a third star next to Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And what you found out that Rodney Hood is, is not a star-level player. What he is, it, you know, we've said this over and over again. He's a shooter, not a scorer. Right. The Jazz kind of thought he was a scorer, and, and he's not. Right. And I, I think it will take a team change in order for those kind of realistic expectations to be reset with his new team. So the Jazz aren't going to get a lottery pick in return for Rodney Hood. No. The Jazz are going to get, a hopefully, a pick that's between 20 and 25. Right. Or a, you know, a, an asset that moves forward. So, like, a right. Hood for Evan Fournier deal makes some sense for that. Sure. Right. So where maybe a guy who's a little more cognizant of his role or, or understands his role and, and wants that type of role with the Jazz or thinks he'd be a better fit with the Jazz, I could see that. Oh yeah, or again, you know, kind of has that additional wisdom of going to another team in another situation. Is like, oh, okay, this isn't 
just one, you know, it's not just the Jazz who are like that. It's not just the Magic who are like this. It's that every team is wanting me to play defense, <laughs> you know? Like, right. That kind of stuff, I, I think, uh, can change a guy's point of view a little bit. So I, I, I don't think if the Jazz were to trade Rodney Hood, that's a failure of any kind. I, I want people to understand that for sure. And it's not a failure of Rodney, on Rodney Hood's part, and it's not a failure on the Jazz's part either. Uh, you, you gotta if you can trade what you what, where did they draft in twenty three yeah overall for Rodney Hood if you end up trading it for another twenty three twenty third draft pick or even a better asset down the line well technically you've improved you've done something right and Rodney Hood's helped you win games he helped you win a playoff sure. series yeah. last year and and that's that's something you needed at that point so I, I don't think Rodney Hood's been a failure in a Jazz uniform and if they move him I totally understand why and I say uh, good luck to Rodney Hood yeah he's a great player at 2.3 million dollars a year and it's probably not a player that you want to pay at 18 million dollars it's certainly year. not a player that jazz want to be paying at 18 million dollars right now in this offseason right and honestly I I think he's kind of the kind of averageish it, it, not super efficient scorer doesn't add a lot of secondary skills like the rebounding the assist right. the defense that he's kind of the kind of player that we've learned with the basketball analytics movement is probably less valuable than than we used to think. We used to think. Uh, I, I would also say this. I agree with Tony Jones. The Jazz aren't going to enter a full rebuild. No, there's no reason to do that right now. And I would. I, I mean, I, I I know the Jazz don't want to do that. Right. Uh, it makes no sense to want to go and and fully rebuild. But it's a good off season to retool. And you've realized right now, as currently constituted, your your team's not talented enough to win the games you need to. Agreed. And you can't be, you can't have 20% of your salary cap committed to a guy like Rodney Hood and expect to be able to win the games you need to. Right. Because, yeah, you just need that third player who's going to be maybe more of a difference maker. And, and that, you, what you're hoping is that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell show enough next season that all of a sudden they can attract that superstar right. in that, in the summer of 2019, whether that be through trade or free agency. So. That, that, that's what the Jazz future looks like. If you've got questions for us, send us a tweet at Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. We would love to hear from you. We did get another question coming in from Travis. Thinking summer free agency, but would Will Barton be a fit for the Utah Jazz? Again, kind of the, the same thing as Rodney Hood in my mind, right? Like, I don't know that you want a shooting guard. Maybe you want at least someone, and I, I do think that, you know, theoretical Dante Exum has these uh, qualities. You want someone who can play make a little bit. You have someone who can defend really well, and you have someone who can get to the rim and kind of be a secondary ball handling option. Uh, I, I think Will Barton is good. I, I think he's maybe too much of a uh, scorer first type for what the Jazz would want from that position. I mean, in my mind, the number one thing is having some shooting there in in my book and. I, I, that's maybe my biggest question about the Dante Exum fit moving forward. Uh, we have a question that actually was posed to me a, a few days a few days ago, and I'm curious how you would feel this. Uh, okay. Answer this question. Do you fear Rudy Gobert getting impatient with the Utah Jazz the same way Gordon Gordon Hayward appeared to get impatient with the Utah Jazz? Yeah, because Rudy likes winning, and and so I think I I, I think with. Rudy, obviously, shout out to Marin for asking that question. Yeah, good, good shout out. Uh, I think you know, obviously, with Rudy, you have the one extra year after his rookie contract, which I think matters. But that means that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert have the same length of you know they both expire in the same year, really. And so you've got Donovan Mitchell as a restricted free agent, but it, you want to be good by Donovan Mitchell's third and fourth season, so you've got a really solid case that Rudy Gobert should stay. 
And uh, so I think that's kind of the timeline, and and that's one reason why you need to worry. I I think you do need to worry about making the right moves for Rudy Gobert and making it look like you're a contending team or making... You know, moving towards a contending team by by making those moves. I don't think trading Derek Favors or Rodney Hood is going to upset Rudy Gobert now. Here's the thing, and I agree with you on that. Rudy Gobert can achieve all the things that Gordon Hayward couldn't in a Utah Jazz uniform. So Gordon Hayward wanted to be an all-star and wanted to be talked about and wanted to have his face on TV, and that's not going to happen in Salt Lake. Now, Rudy Gobert can make all NBA teams in Utah. Because he's better at his position than Gordon Hayward was at his position. He ranks higher as centers go than Gordon Hayward did at small forward. Mm -hmm. Because there's a Kevin Durant, there's a LeBron James, there's a Kawhi Leonard, there's all these guys that are better than Gordon Hayward. I think Rudy Gobert can get that type of recognition, which maybe it's not half of what somebody wants. You know, they want winning. Well, first of all, they want money. That's the the top 50%. And then maybe that next 50% is mixed up between how much they want to win and how much they want to be famous. And okay. I'm just making this up as I go, so give me some yeah. leeway here. I think Rudy can get 75% of that very easily, and maybe he can get closer to 100 in a Jazz uniform than Gordon Hayward could. I would worry less about Rudy feeling like the Jazz can't get him where he wants to go than I would with Gordon Hayward. I still think because – sure, you point out the All-NBA thing, and I think that that's probably true, but then you know if he doesn't make an All-Star team – uh, where obviously you you have a better chance of doing that in the East. I think maybe that matters. And then, honestly, to me again, the biggest thing is contention. And and as much as we talk about Gordon Hayward making that decision to join the Boston Celtics for the All Star status and for the individual else, recognition for the individual, yeah. He also probably made you know was the, no question winning he made the right choice from a winning right. perspective. No question. The Boston Celtics are where they are at the top of the Eastern Conference. Right. And the Jazz are where they are. Right. And 10th. And neither of them have Gordon Hayward. Right. right. now. So if he gets to join one of those, let's say he was a free agent who played for the Milwaukee Bucks, which one would you choose? Well, you would never talk about the Jazz if you also had the opportunity to join Boston. Right. And, and that's, you know, that's that's just the way, you know, I, I you look at what Danny Ainge has put together with their long-term assets. Right. Kind of the assets to be able to get a Kyrie Irving and then still have a top five pick they next draft. DeAndre Aiden right? like, or Aiden this year. Yeah, like they have that opportunity still. I, I mean, it, it's still, it's just you know, I think Gordon Hayward's smart enough to see that he had he had a good thing to join in Boston, and that's not to say that he was. You know, the Jazz are obviously a very different team if they have Gordon Hayward. I think they're you know in the top four of the West. You can make that case, and and it's it's not crazy at all. But you know, with what Boston's been able to do without Gordon Hayward says. You know a lot about the team and and the the situation that he's joining too. I think it's an interesting question. I get the impression. First of all, I think the Jazz are going to be competitive quicker with Rudy than they were with Gordon Hayward because they've already been competitive. They've already proved him that they can make a playoffs and win a series. Rudy's already yes. felt that, and Gordon didn't feel that until last year, which was pushed right up against the deadline of when he was going to leave or not. Yes, and uh, honestly, Gordon's. It's funny because maybe. Rudy Gobert is Gordon's Donovan Mitchell, whereas if does that make sense? Like an up and coming player that allows you to be that is kind of your second banana, uh, sure. that that kind of pushes you towards that playoff spot. But that's he's kind of coming out sooner. Donovan Mitchell is than Rudy Gobert was able to. Right, Correct. Rudy no Gobert's question. rookie year was spent, you know, partially in the D league. Right, Jeremy Evans was getting his minutes. Yeah, <laughs> Andres Piedrins was getting his yeah. minutes. Like. And obviously, Anis Cantor was too. So, look, I, I, I think you're absolutely right that the Jazz are going to be. This is going to be a short rebuild. 
it's a retool. It's yeah. not a rebuild. Yeah. And you get a top 10 pick and you, you, you say, hey, put that guy next to Donovan Mitchell and let's hope he's another Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And then you're way ahead of the game. But you go out and you get some players probably this offseason that keep you relevant. And then if you don't find a guy that you love this year, you hope you find a guy that you love next year to go out and spend a lot of money on. Yeah. And, and truth be told, they don't have that much money to spend in free agency, even if they let Rodney Hood go. And, and you know, maybe you sign a, if you trade, say, favors for Miritich, now that's 10 or $12.5 million that you don't have anymore to, to spend in free agency, too. So, um, and, and there are a lot of possibilities that, you know, I don't think the Jazz are going to be championship contenders next year. Uh, but I, in terms of their timeline is kind of the end of, of Donovan Mitchell's rookie contract, the end of Rudy Gobert's contract to be, that kind of contention team. Uh, really quickly, more on Twitter asked a question we've talked about a little bit. He says, apologies if it's already been covered. But is it short-sighted to think that Kevin Love is the perfect fit for the Jazz? On the floor, absolutely, I think he's the perfect fit. He might not be the perfect fit as far as assets you have to give up to get back. Yeah, I think that's that's a real question is, can you get Kevin Love and what do you have to give up? Uh, I, I don't know if the Jazz have enough to beat 29 other teams right. to get Kevin Love. Because there will be a lot of interest for a guy who can do what Kevin Love can do. If it was just Joe Johnson, Derek Favors, and Rodney Hood, sure, pull the trade all day. Every, yeah, every any chance you get. Yeah, go go make that trade. But someone can probably beat that offer. Yes. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the NBA All Stars were announced. Andy and I are going to do our own draft, which is how they're going to do the All Star game this year. And we're going to select our teams. You're going to be LeBron because you've got the first pick. I'll be Steph Curry with the second pick. And we're going to go through these and build our teams and also a major milestone uh, achieved tonight in the NBA. We'll tell you what that is as well. Coming up next, it's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700, Utah's number one sports talk. Number one sports talk, ESPN 700. The Hoop Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson, the voices of the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy's the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. I'm a contributor at KSL.com. You got questions? You want to talk about the Jazz? You want to talk about the NBA? Tweet at us, at Andy B. Larson and at Ben's Hoops. Uh, really quickly, uh, before we get started, we're going to be uh, doing our all-star draft here for you, and we'll explain the rules of how it works, uh, and then we'll go through our own. But uh, LeBron James hit 30,000 points tonight. Yeah. The seventh player, I believe, in NBA history to do it, and the youngest right. player to ever do it. Correct. And so, like, there's real chance that he ends up passing Kareem, which would be yeah. crazy. Um, right. Now, Carl should have passed Kareem, but I wonder if fans now are thinking, hey, at least you're not kind of always having to look over your shoulder. Now you never have to look over your shoulder. He's going to get passed. It doesn't matter if you're second place. It doesn't matter if Carl gets passed. Matters a little bit, right? A little bit, but not as much if he was the number one guy, okay. especially because he never got that ring. If he had stayed here to get, if he had stayed in Utah, and average 22 points a game or whatever it was going to take, and he probably would have done it to get to, to the record, Jazz fans would have held on to that record far more than him leaving, going to L.A., trying to get that ring, yeah. and being in second place. It would That's have been true. a far more personal. We would have taken more ownership of it. Agreed. Okay. Uh, NBA All-Star. Uh, the All-Stars have been announced. They are doing it a different way this year. It's not just the East team versus the West team. You've got the LeBron team versus the Steph Curry team, and they get to draft the entire pool of all-star players that was announced today to build their own teams. I actually love this idea. Yeah. I think it's going to make it really fun, though they're not going to televise the draft or tell you the order that these players got picked. Huge mistake. Which is a huge mistake. But there is a rule here. The players that were named starters by the fan vote have to get drafted first. So there's eight players, not counting LeBron and not counting Steph Curry, that have to get drafted first, and they would be the players that were most likely to get drafted first anyways, with Usually. a couple of exceptions. Yeah. Uh, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to pick from that first pool of eight players first, and then we're going to build our rosters after that. Should be a fun little exercise to see how this goes. I think it actually could be a little bit tricky. Yeah. 
but uh, you're LeBron James. I'm LeBron. I get I'm first pick. Steph Curry, I get second pick. But uh, and actually, I, I really regret my decision now. <laughs> but you're LeBron. Uh, Kevin Durant. So Kevin the, Durant's very good at basketball. It's the obvious true. pick. I get he's the same position as me. It's going to be fine playing. Uh, but he has to start. So are you putting LeBron at the four and LeBron at the three, or and Durant at the three, or Durant at the three care. and LeBron at the four? It's not like well, we're tell playing. me because I'm filling out a roster right. here. <laughs> uh, I'm playing putting LeBron at the four. LeBron at the four, and Durant goes in at your three. Okay, I'm Steph Curry, and now I have to draft number two overall. Is this a hard pick or is this not a hard pick? It's a little bit of a hard. I'm I'm curious who you're picking. Okay, I know who I'm picking because I have to have somebody to match the length of LeBron James and Kevin Durant, and he might be the most exciting player in the NBA currently, and that's Giannis. Yeah, uh, that's a very reasonable pick, and would probably be who I who take who I take as well. I'm gonna take Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I I'm putting him at the three. Uh, my next pick is James Harden. Uh, I wanted James. Sorry, James <laughs> Harden's good. Uh. And again, yeah, this to me is just the most uh, talented player left on the board. Uh, has a real MVP shot this year. Is James Harden? Uh, I'm going to take since I'm already a point guard and I'm starting. I need some size, and I've decided I'm going to take Anthony Davis because I think he's the best okay. player left on the board. Because I love the idea of having Giannis and Anthony Davis playing on the same team. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with then Kyrie. You're taking Kyrie to be your point guard. Yeah. You think you think LeBron is is ready to Oh, that's right. I forgot I'm LeBron. Back. Yeah, you're LeBron James. Are you All right. ready? I, I I cancel out I can't I take Kyrie. it back. I'm giving you Kyrie, but well, I can't not. be we're we're not friends anymore, Kyrie and right. I. Right. I can't select him. All right, I'm going Joel Embiid, making sure oh, I have the best center on I the board. I wanted Embiid. That's too bad. Now I'm furious. Uh Indeed. the good news is I think I can probably play Anthony Davis. You could play Davis at five. So I'm going to do that. Anthony Davis is going to be my five. Giannis is actually going to be my four now because okay. you just took Joel Embiid. Very fair. Uh, and you know what I'm going to do? Because I like to screw with LeBron, <laughs> I'm going to take Kyrie Irving. Well, someone he has to be on my team, and I already said I'm not taking him. So uh, he has to be on somebody's team. I'll take Kyrie Irving. Okay. Fine. Uh, Kyrie is going to be my two, and I'm going to be or the one. And Steph's going to be my point guard because that's who I am. And I'm just going to let us rotate and just be a nightmare in the backcourt. Okay, so we've got two starters left, and that's DeMarcus Cousins and DeMar DeRozan. I've already picked my center. I need a point guard. I guess I move Harden to point guard and DeRozan to my shooting guard. Uh, but I already like my team a lot more than yours. So you're taking DeMar DeRozan? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, you've killed me here. Because now I do have to play the Davis-Cousins front court, which doesn't work in New Orleans either. Uh, you've killed me in this draft. But <laughs> I've made you the Pelicans, pick, but yeah. with... I guess Steph is your point guard. All right, you're pretty fine. Yeah. Okay. So my starting lineup looks like this. Steph Curry at point guard, Kyrie Irving at the two, Giannis at the three, uh, DeMarcus Cousins at the four, and Anthony Davis at the five, but those guys are interchangeable too. In all honesty, Anthony Davis probably plays the four, and I like the length I have with Giannis and uh, and Anthony Davis at the three, four. Meanwhile, I've got James Harden at point guard, DeMar DeRozan, your shooting guard, Kevin Durant at the three, LeBron at the four, and Joel Embiid at the five. Uh, do we actually know if this is how they're doing it? Yes, this is how they they're do. alternating. They're yeah. not doing kind of the snake style draft where I would get picks two and three. Yeah, they're alternating. They all are. They are alternating, which is the wrong way to do it. But okay, I would have uh, preferred having the second and third <laughs> pick. But that's of course fine. you would. Uh, and Embiid is your five. Uh, and I just made the last pick, right? I got stuck with Boogie Cousins. Yes. So now it is your turn to go into our reserves and uh, pick our reserves. Here, let me really yeah. quickly name off who got named to the reserves because I'm yes, guessing not yes. everyone listening right now has heard it. Kyle Lowry, 
LaMarcus Aldridge, Victor Oladipo, Al Horford, Carl Anthony Towns, John Wall, Kevin Love, Damian Lillard, Chris Stapps Porzingis, Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Those are your reserves. Okay. Uh, I'm taking Russell Westbrook. <laughs> You're always one <laughs> step ahead of me. It's just, it's just I'm one pick. I get the best players. That's, that's how this goes. Uh, yeah, Russell Westbrook, talented player last year. How about this? You've done something very fun. You've re- reunited the old Oklahoma City Thunder. I have. You've Plus got, LeBron James. You've got Westbrook, <laughs> Harden, and Durant, and now you've added LeBron and Joel Embiid. Uh, ah, that was tough. I wanted Russ. Okay. I gotta think about this now for a second because I, I just hate Boogie Cousins, but I do not, I'm not gonna draft a center. Oops. With a second overall pick here. Uh, you already took DeMarcus Cousins. I know. That's the thing. I hate him. And, oh, okay. But I'm not going to take another center gotcha. as my next pick because the, the talent in centers really drops off here. You were going to take – who are you going to take? Actually, you know who I think I know I'm, I'm going to take? I'm going to go with Chris Tapps Porzingis. Okay. I like the idea of playing Porzingis at the four as much as I can. I'll keep Anthony Davis at the five, and I'll get rid of Boogie Cousins. Okay. Uh, I take – this one is a hard question. Uh. I think I go with hmm this is a this is a tricky pick i I want to say Damian Lillard, but I already have two really right. solid point guards That's the problem there's a lot of good point guards on the board, and there you were already good at point guard so I would say I'm gonna go with Draymond Green, okay, even though he's a weird all star pick in terms of like making my roster as good as it can be uh Draymond's my pick okay, and you don't have someone who's gonna not guard LeBron during an all star game. Because no one's actually right. going to play defense here. Uh, Draymond Green, your backup center behind Joel Embiid. Uh, I like the idea that I can play Steph and Kyrie. And I like the idea of just adding, and Chris Stapps. So I'm just going to add another shooter to that. And okay. I'm going to go with Clay Thompson. Okay. So Clay's... I'm just going to have shooters everywhere I can. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go, uh, and that's honestly is a similar idea. I'll go uh, Bradley Beal. For many of the same reasons, he's had a great year this year. Um, I, I I don't know, you know, honestly, he's been the best player on that on that Wizards team, and not John Wall. Uh, great beef last night between John Wall and JJ Barea. John Wall called JJ Barea a midget because he's a very short player, yes. and JJ Barea came back and said, "That's the first player I don't like in the NBA," which is nothing new for John Wall because I've heard no one on his team likes him either. Great trash great talk. Line. He totally a- pulled back the curtain on rumors that that. Do exist in the NBA. Yeah. The John Wall is not the most likable player there is. Correct. Uh, good for, uh, good for JJ Perea. <laughs> Sneak it in there because he's a tiny guy and he sneaks around a lot. Uh, okay. I've got Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, Giannis Antetokounmpo, DeMarcus Cousins, Chris Porzingis, and Anthony Davis, uh, as my lineup so far. I think I need another. There's a real lack of threes here. Mm-hmm. There's a real lack of small forwards here. Yep. In the NBA right now. Uh, which is funny because it's the hot position, the Kyle Kuzmas of the world, the uh, the Jason Tatums of the world. There are not a whole lot of those guys there. And the glaring gap here is because we don't have uh, the claw from Kawhi San Leonard. Antonio yes. Kawhi Leonard in this uh, in this draft here. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go a little – oh, I just – I'm going to go – man, I just said I wasn't going to – I'll take Damian Lillard as my backup oh, really? point guard. Okay. Then I will uh, – since you made the case for me to take him, I'll take Jimmy Butler. Oh, I, I don't even have Jimmy Butler on my list here. Oh. That was my mistake. I meant to put him <laughs> in. I just I copied and pasted this list, and I Great. just didn't copy down far enough. I'm I'm happy. I apparently pasted no. a different list than you, and I get Butler. Jimmy Butler I to see, fill I that backup three see, spot. And now if we were to go back and I were actually looking at the list, I would have taken Jimmy Butler there. So I just made a huge mistake. 
That's. I mean, look, this is going to happen, though. You you think like Steph right. and and right. KD or it's they're Steph not going to be LeBron making gonna, nuanced nuanced picks yeah. here. They're they're going to be picking their friends. Right. Uh, yeah. It's it's going to be goofy. All right. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with Victor Oladipo for oh. that reason because I can move Clay to the small forward position. I can play Victor Oladipo with the two. Okay. Uh, so I've got a kind of interesting choice at backup center between kind of Kevin Love, Al Horford, and Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, I think I probably go with Carl Anthony Towns for fun and because he's really good. It's not like we need his defense. His ability to shoot the three will be nice. Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Okay. And you've got three centers now on your roster. I only have one because I who's my Anthony Davis. Who's my Embiid? Well, uh, Embiid, Draymond, and Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, I'm, I'm counting him as a power forward, but sure. Carl Anthony Towns? Draymond. Oh, okay, Draymond. That's fine. Uh, I will take Kevin Love. Good pick. Yeah, I'll take Kevin Love. <laughs> uh, I'll take. I've got an interesting choice between Kyle Lowry as a third point guard or Lamarcus Aldridge as like a third power forward. Uh, I think I probably choose Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is really, really good. I, I don't think people realize just yeah, like really how much of a a surefire All Star player he is every year. Yeah, uh, and they've got the second best record in the East now. I mean, a lot of people think it's Boston and Cleveland. There's a team in Toronto that's in the middle there. And Toronto, when you get to the playoffs, might actually be the best of those teams because they're not relying on two very young players in in Brown and Jason Tatum to come out and, and play well for seven straight games. They've changed the way they play with taking more threes and, and playing better defense. You know, I, I think they've made some nice moves. And, you know, even picking up a guy like C.J. Miles was nice. For, uh, for well, well, yeah, they, they built up their bench a lot because some of it just had to mature. And then they've gone out and made some smart signings. Uh, but Yaka Pertle, local guys, and DeLon Wright are actually contributors now on yeah. the team and are good picks. Yaka yep. uh, Pertle's a lottery pick that comes off the bench for them. Not many teams can say that they have a top 10 pick that they can rely on that comes off the bench that would be starting elsewhere. Yep. Uh, who did you just take? Uh, Kyle Lowry. Okay, I'll take uh, I'll take John Wall. Okay. I've got a lot of point guards. Uh, point guard heavy. Do I get LaMarcus Aldridge then? Uh, or Al Horford. Or Al Horford. I'll take Aldridge. Yeah, he's a better player. Good choice for me there. And that leaves me with Al Horford. As my Al Horford's center. good. Al Horford has good. had a great year with Boston and is a huge part of why they are where they are. Uh, all right. Uh, thanks to everyone who stuck with us through that. That might have been a little slow. Uh, here's my team for the All-Stars for the team Steph. Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, John Wall are my point guards. My shooting guards are Kyrie Irving, so another point guard. I've got four good point guards. And Victor Oladipo. My small forwards are Giannis Antetokounmpo and Clay Thompson. My power forwards are DeMarcus Cousins, Chris Dapps, Porzingis, and Kevin Love. And then my centers are Anthony Davis and Al Horford. And again, Cousins and Davis are just power forward or center. It doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, That's my lineup. I've got uh, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kyle Lowry is my point guard rotation. DeMar DeRozan and Bradley Beal, the shooting guard rotation. Honestly, those top two shooting guards in the East, Kevin Durant and uh, Jimmy Butler at small forward, LeBron James, Draymond Green, and Marcus Aldridge, a power forward, and Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns at center. These it's, teams would actually be very fun to watch. Yeah. These are both going to be fun teams to watch. And this is what it's going to end up looking like. One team's going to be way heavy at one position because we've got way too many guards in here. Yeah. Uh, and that's a problem and not enough small forwards. And there's enough big men that aren't actually all that. No one wants to watch Al Horford in a in an all-star game. Sure. But, you know, how much is Al Horford going to play when you've got, as you point out, DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis on your team? I'm excited now to see how this comes out. I'm excited to see what the actual rosters look like, which we'll hear about in the next little bit. Yep. All right.
That's the NBA All-Star Draft. When we come back, we're going to answer the last few questions, talk about the state of the Utah Jazz. This is the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700, the home of the Utes. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700, 8.53, Tuesday night. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. Very, very grateful to have you joining us this late in the evening on a weekday. But I would rather you do it on a weekday than a weekend. Go out. Go party. Yeah. Go out, have do, more fun. Out. Yeah. Uh, but we're a podcast, so you can listen to us all the time anyway. Anytime. Uh, Adam Raluski, uh says, Andy had the much better team than I did in the NBA All-Star Draft, which I agreed with. I also said Andy had the first pick, which is a big difference. Mm-hmm. And having that first pick, by the way, we were supposed to have you pick the reserves first. The number one pick. With the number one pick there. So you would have gotten probably Russell, Russell Westbrook. Westbrook. Which is a, which is a big difference. I still think I would have taken my team over yours. Um, yeah, for sure. Downright Dave says you totally killed the draft. Nice starting lineup. To you? To me. Yeah. Well, he's right. Yours is better than mine. Thank you. But again, you didn't have to take right. Boogie Cousins. I had a much, much You basically job. got... Kevin Durant and I got Boogie Cousins because you had the first pick and I had to take whoever was left. Yes. I'm not going to sleep tonight. I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> no. <laughs> now what am I supposed to do? Uh, I've saved this list. So when uh, these actually get announced before the All-Star break, which is what, February 14th? Uh, and I don't actually know. When do they announce these? Uh, good question. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Uh, uh, when they actually... I am going to All-Star break for what it's worth or oh, going, you are down going down to L.A. Down for All-Star. So, um, to cover the game? Or are you just going down for yeah. fun? No, covering the game, covering okay. the dunk contest. If Donovan's in it, covering the covering the thing. Which at least for now, it doesn't sound like he is, but very much uh, so, the, the names that were said to be in it are likely not actually in it either. Yeah, the name, exactly. So I'm very curious to see if Donovan's actually in it. It sounds like no one was actually notified in this Oliver Maroney report uh, was erroneous. So we'll, we'll, we still have to find out who's going to be actually in the dunk contest. Donovan still has a chance, in other words. Uh, but I'm the names that were announced that were Aaron Gordon, Victor Oladipo, Larry Nance Jr., and Dennis Smith Jr. Right, and we think that those players have said they don't know if they're in it yet. And maybe right. they're just trying to, to be nice to the NBA front office and saying, hey, we're not going to out you before you get the, the, the chance to officially announce it, but I kind of don't believe that. I don't believe that either because, uh, you know, what ended up happening when, when a report – what ends up happening when a report happens like that is – all of those reporters that you know, the Mark Signs, the Woj's, the Shams, end up calling their sources and trying to find out if that's real or not. And then that we didn't get a second confirmation means that uh, it's unlikely in my book. And Adam Ryluski follows up and says uh, Thursday he thinks they're going to be announced, the All-Star uh, oh. player reserves. Adam's like up on Adam, this. Yeah, he's on, Adam like, he's on the All-Star show. train. Because there's no jazz players in this, my interest in the uh, All-Star game is, is a little bit lower. But yeah, and honestly, see the Donovan All-Star Mitchell game has the, been trash. And he'll be in the rookie all-star game, which is actually probably the more fun. Uh, rookies versus the world. My favorite part is still the dunk contest. And so if Donovan Mitchell makes it, uh, I'm excited to see that in person. I uh, really am. Utah Jazz Reddit says, are we coming back for an Ask Me Anything? I've never done that. I'm sure you've probably done it. Sure, we'll, we'll do it at some point. All right. Big thanks to JP producing the show today. Catch us again next Tuesday, 7 o'clock. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700, Utah's number one sports talk.